voice hearings, voice 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 hearings, voice 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 this is Hearing Voices, conversations with the voices that bring the excitement of college sports alive. Now, here's your host, the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Welcome back, Tiger fans. Another big week of college football coming up. Uh, LSU back at home. It's out of conference, but this is one that everybody is excited about and has been excited about since it was announced Uh, a few years ago as LSU will host for the first time ever inside legendary Tiger Stadium. Uh, Army West Point, the Black Knights are coming to town. Just the second meeting ever between these two schools. You got to go back to 1931. Russ Cohen was the head coach and uh, Huey Long was still uh, in the governor's mansion. And uh, so it's been a while. But, uh, you know, one of the reasons we do this show, and, and I've said this many times, is, yeah, we talk a little football and we talk a little men's basketball and baseball. But primarily, selfishly, it's for me to get to know and learn from some of the voices that that you and I listen to when it comes to college sports. And there's been uh, several times over the years that I have uh, stumbled upon via streaming uh, Army football on the radio. And uh, this is the voice that that I hear. And uh, so it's great to we're all going to learn together on this week's show. First time haven't met in person but excited to bring uh, to this week's uh, Hearing Voices uh, Rich DeMarco, voice of the Army Black Knights for almost 20 years. Uh, he's been the voice of uh, Army football, men's basketball, baseball. He's contributed to women's basketball, lacrosse. Uh, pretty much if there's been a great moment over the last 20 years, since 2004 anyway, um, that Army's been involved in, pretty good chance uh, that Rich's voice is part of that soundtrack. So welcome to the show, Rich DeMarco. Rich, excited to have you coming to town this week, and uh, thank you for taking some time out to to visit with us on uh, our little show. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, and, and thanks for the kind words right back at you. You know, I've been listening to you for a long time, and, and very ironic when Jeff Munkin uh, got the job at Army. He was introducing me to someone, I think it was a family member of his, and they said, I Rich, what does he do? He goes, oh, he does what Chris Blair did at uh, Georgia Southern. <laughs> so, uh, so I always, uh, you know, connected you with that, and obviously here in the great moments that uh, you've been able to provide at LSU, and just uh, just the amazing things that this team is doing, that program over the last few years is uh, is tremendous. Well, thank you, Rich, for the kind words. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about Coach Munkin because he uh, obviously is special to you. He's very special to me, and was very instrumental and. In, in my career, um, and, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But, you know, I was preparing for, for the podcast and, and doing research for this week's game, and I started thinking about how every school, every athletic program, regardless of classification, whether you're NAIA or Division Three, Division Two, FCS, FBS, every department is trying to build that brand loyalty. And when you think about Army football, and, and for that matter, Army athletics, it seems to me like loyalty is, uh, I won't say built in, uh, but it is very important. And, you know, they, they, it's a unique place uh, when you consider that uh, the cadets themselves are very loyal to Army athletics. Uh, the men and women serving across the globe are very loyal to Army athletics. And for all of us, uh, at least a couple of occasions during the football season, 
Um, you know, even when they play Air Force or Navy, there's there's 50% at least of the people that, that become Army fans on that day. For you being in on the inside, how, how do you see the loyalty of, of Army athletics every day? You know, it's interesting you say that because I think about it a lot. And I think it starts with a couple of things where our fan base, you know, the Army fan base, of course, is worldwide. And I like to say as a play-by-play guy, right? Someone told me a long time ago that, you know, the greatest compliment you can get as a play-by-play guy is maybe you're at a dinner, you're at a function, maybe months after the season. And a fan comes up to you and says, hey, you know, I uh, I couldn't be at the game or I was driving and I had to listen, you know, and you were my eyes and ears that, you know, took me through that, right? That's, to me, that's like the greatest compliment you can get as a play-by-play guy. And when you get emails or people come back to West Point saying that when they were in Afghanistan or there's a group of basketball players in Germany who would get up in the middle of the night to listen, um, those are the kinds of things where, you know, when I look at this job and I, I, I feel I have the best job in the country, right? The best play-by-play job in the country. That's why, uh, you know, it's very hard for me to think of another place where I would be able to, I don't know, have that impact is the right word. But be able to, you know, going back to your original question, you know, see that loyalty and see people who are going to, you know, take time out of, you know, maybe a situation that's not not a great situation, you know, being overseas, being stationed, being away from your family to listen to games, to watch, you know, webcasts uh, that you're on. So that that really hits me really, really hard in regards to um, how much respect I have for the job that I have, but also how many people are, are counting on. And, and I think that, you know, to, to your other point of, of half the people um, become Army fans right around the Army-Navy game, you know, I, I think of it like like the great rivalries, right? So you have, like, I'd love to go to, my wife's from Texas, I'd love to go to a, a Texas-Oklahoma game, right? I would love to go to that. I would love to go to Auburn-Alabama. I would love to go to a number of these games. But I would go as someone who wanted to see a good game, right? Wanted to take in the pageantry and see a good game. What, the Army-Navy game, right? Everyone either served, has a family member who served, went to high school with someone who served, college. So everyone is going to have a feeling for one of the academies. So I've always said out of all the great rivalry games, you know, we can talk about TV ratings, impact on the national championship, uh, how many people in the stands. I don't think there's a rivalry game where there are more percentage of the people who are actually rooting for one of the teams instead of just wanting to be there for the pageantry. So that, that really hits me every time there's the army navy game as well and again to your question of literally half the people root for army half the people root for Navy. yeah it's interesting because you know there there is a um uh, a lineage of georgia southern to the military academies and paul johnson of course successful career at navy before moving on to georgia tech uh coach munkin who we'll talk about been at both navy and now the head coach at army um, and so the, you're exactly right. I mean, there were times prior to Jeff taking the job at Army that any time Army-Navy played, just because of my association and having the opportunity to get to know Coach Johnson uh, a little bit, uh, I was all in on Navy. And then as soon as Jeff takes the job, now it's, it's, it's every December I'm all about Army. So um, I think you make a good point about how it, it's not just watching the game. It's, it's a very invested rooting interest uh, for everybody in the country. I know you're a 1998 Rutgers grad, and I read um, an interview you did, and you mentioned it a moment ago. Uh, you do have a very unique job, and you do have a great job um, as the play-by-play voice of the Army Black Knights, but 
that that there's no place you want to go. Um, and you know, the similar, I read where you, you kind of were one of the guys as you were finishing college, um, that said, Hey, if, if there's something I can do, uh, to be involved, to kind of break into college sports casting, uh, I'm willing to do it. And, um, you were able to do so, you know, doing, doing some radio, um, doing some stuff with the Rutgers network. I mean, how important was it? Did you think at the time, if I'm going to do this, I, I got to be willing to do whatever. I'm, I'm not going. They're not going to hand the mic over to me and let me do uh, football play by play. But if I can be around it and learn, um, put up desks and tents and and wire up uh, mixers. I mean, how important was that when you look back on it now? So important. And I, you know, it's so interesting. I, I go back to, you know, college radio. I'm a big proponent of college radio, right? Whenever there's a college radio station that wants to broadcast uh, a visiting team coming into West Point, I always tell, you know, the folks, we got to make sure we take care of them. They got a space, they got a line to do because, you know, if not for college radio, I wouldn't ever be anywhere near, you know, where I am now. And I think it's, I think you got to really want it. Like my thing is, you know, I always want to be a college football play-by-play guy and I, I don't know how many kids growing up in northern New Jersey you know really think about that and you know I just look I, I'm a big believer in success leaves clues right so you look at people who have done it and what have they done so you know when I graduated college I was like well I gotta find a place to do some high school football I've gotta you know get better and then you know being at Rutgers and you know knowing the people on the network when I was a student and Bruce Johnson was the play-by-play guy at the time he had known of me you know listened to me and then he gave me an opportunity to you know work as a newscaster sportscaster and, and do some high school and then work on the, the Rutgers network and that was so key because you know I learned what it takes you know like you said whether it's you know setting up setting up tents for a high school game so we could broadcast helping the engineer you know figure things out or you know covering newscasts hurricanes whatever storms you know just to be able to be a full-time employee and be able to contribute. But I do think, you know, one thing, and I was, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who actually runs the student radio station at Rutgers now, and he was a couple of years behind me. We were pretty close from college. And, and I think that there's an enormous, uh, you know, level set when you graduate college, right? So I, you know, I follow, I look at social media. I look at a lot of student radio stations, see where they're just looking for best practices, how stuff has evolved. And, there, it's so great to see student broadcasters take so much pride in calling games at big stadiums and, you know, being part of great moments as a student broadcaster. Like, I think that's amazing. Right. But then when you graduate, right, you know, you're hoping to do some high school games if you could find the work. Right. So you have to want to go back and do that at the bottom of the totem pole. Then thinking it's you know, it's great to have the opportunity to do games. And you have to think of it like that. Like, I don't care if it's a high school game or if it's an NFL game. But after you graduate from college and you're at some of these student stations and they have these great moments, these great opportunities, how much do you really want it then to go set up a tent at a high school game and broadcast the high school game in the pouring rain when you're when your charts are um, blown away and stuff and and you run down a coach who I remember there was one of the high school coaches in Jersey owned a pizzeria. So we had a call him like during a time when he had a a break to, to get, you know, information on his team. Do you really want to do it? And that's what I tell young broadcasters. It's great as a student to be part of great moments. If you're a student that goes to a power five school, what have you, but do you want to be able to go from the bottom then 
hopefully back to the top to what you want to do. Yeah, no, it's a great, uh, great lesson and great message to those because, again, it is a great opportunity when you're at LSU or um, you're at Alabama and as, uh, as a student you get to call some of that action. But um, to think that you're simply going to get your degree and then go right back into those press boxes, <laughs> I mean, I guess there may be a few stories like that, but, but not many. Um, Rich no. DeMarco, our guest this week on Hearing Voices, he and his broadcast team will be inside Legendary Tiger Stadium, kickoff at 630 LSU and Auburn. Um, I mean, LSU and Army, I should say, coming up this Saturday. We played Auburn last week. Um, you mentioned, you know, kind of being around some people that were a, an influence on you into the business. But, you know, uh, I could sit here and when I have our SEC counterparts, we all talk about um, the legends that, that inspired us when we were young and when we were teenagers and who we wanted to emulate and, and, and take this from and that from and then make it our own. Being in, in, in the Northeast with the major media markets that are there, obviously New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Boston, I mean, there's no lack of, uh, of great uh, sports broadcasters to, to draw from. For you, who, who were the people that you, even as a young boy, thought, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to do it kind of like they do. And then again, ultimately inspired you to, to, to go after it. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, as a kid, I went to a lot of New York Jets games. So I'd bring the little headset, listen while I was at the games. And it happened to be around the time Marty Glickman had a handful of year run as the Jets play-by-play guy. And I always loved the way he was so descriptive to the uniforms, to everything, just to, to give it to you so concise. So, so Glickman, I thought was, I thought was terrific. Uh, you know, and like you're saying, being in the Northeast, you know, there wasn't like a ton of college football, like mutual broadcasting, being able to listen to. Of course, I, you know, catch Notre Dame games on the radio and hear the great Tony Roberts, who I, I always felt was uh, had his own shtick and his own style, which was which was beautiful. Uh, really, television broadcasters. When I go to college, I thought Keith Jackson to me is the is the best college football voice uh, of all time. So, you know, I grew up just liking and loving the passion that he brought to the table. Uh, I think, you know, when you think about play by play and I grew up a big NFL fan and, and had a ton of like Super Bowl highlight films. And of course they overlay radio calls. So whether it's 49ers, you know, Joe Starkey, you know, Jack Fleming. But the one thing I, I always connected was when I listened to college football, right? There's, there's a passion, there's an equity, there's an ownership in the program that you don't feel in pro sports. And I don't think it's like a bad thing about pro sports. It's just the way it is. So if I, like, I always say this as an example. If you walk into someone's house, if someone walked into my house and there was a room dedicated to, like, the New York Jets, like the living room, people would think there's probably something wrong with me, right? But if there was a room dedicated <laughs> to the school you either went to or identified with, people are going to look at that as passion. And that's how I feel it translates with college football and college basketball. And that's why I always wanted to be part of that, because I feel that there's just a there's a connection with the fans and the school that you don't get in pro sports. And that's not a bad thing about pro sports. Like I said, it's just, it's just the way it is. And, and I think that's what kind of led me to, to, to loving college athletics as much as I do. You no, know, I think you did a great job, Rich, of kind of describing why all of us who are, are college sports first fans and then secondly work in the business and decide to work in the business, I think you summed it up nicely. There is a difference. Um, again, uh, you can argue one better than the other. That's not the point. It's just it's it is different. And uh, you know, I think for me, it's it's similar. I, I 
wasn't a, a, a big pro sports fan growing up uh, in Eastern Kentucky. We we you know we had the Bengals. We did have the Reds. And when I was coming up, obviously the Reds were 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 uh, 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 one of the tops in Major League Baseball. But overall, it was it was college, and uh, that continues through this day. Rich Demarco again, our guest. And if you want to keep up with what's happening with uh, Army Black Knight football, Army uh, athletics, you can do so. Easy to do on uh, Twitter or X, however you want to say it, uh, at Rich DeMarco. I mentioned from the outset, and actually you brought it up, um, the, 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 the link that you and I have to Coach Jeff Munkin, who I, I think is one of the best um, in the business. I enjoyed the four seasons I worked with him at Georgia Southern. He, he was an assistant there, uh, went with Paul Johnson to Navy, and then returned as a rescuing hero in 2010 to really get that program uh, back where it wanted to be and help lead them transition from FCS to FBS. And, of course, you know, capped off by a 26-20 win over Florida uh, in Gainesville, which was uh, his last game as head coach. And less than a month later, he's heading to West Point. Um, when I think about working with Jeff, and again, just in my thoughts of what it would be like to run a program at one of the military schools – I mean, that's just a perfect fit. I mean, that, it, when I think Jeff Munkin, uh, I, I think Army football. And, you know, he had such a high reverence um, for, for what it took to be successful um, because, again, he had watched Paul do it, um, Ken do it at Navy. And, um, you know, he knew what the challenges were, but he leaned into those challenges. For you, what, what, is, what, is, what has been his impact in 10 years as head coach of Army? Wow. That's, that's a lot. I, you know, I, I go back to just the, you know, the, the expectation of excellence, right. You know, if you're going to be associated with Jeff Monk and you gotta, you gotta do your job well, you know, or, you know, it's, it, it's going to be obvious because everyone around you is, is doing it well. You know, one, one of the things that I think Jeff Monk brought to West Point and, and I believe there's no better fit for a, a coach and a school in the entire country. Than Jeff Monken and Army. I, I truly, I truly believe that. But I think, you know, when you look at the, you know, the dark days, if we want to say of Army football from, you know, 1996, right? Commander in Chiefs Trophy, Independence Bowl, near win against Auburn to then, you know, some, some different coaches, you know, a bowl game in 2010, but unable to be made. I think the one thing Jeff Munkin brought to the table is, you know, you were, you were buying a plan. You were, you were, you were partnering with a plan of, of knowing what it took to win at a service academy. And I think that was what Army was searching for in 2014, right? Is how do we, how do you do it now? College football's changing. And he said, hey, he knew exactly how it was done. And he says, hey, this is what needs to be done to get it done. And it got done in his third year going to a bowl game. And then, of course, the three commander-in-chief's trophies in four years. And, and I think he's someone that, you know, and I look at it now, you know, the program has been built to the point where there's the expectation of winning. And I think this two and four record, you know, Jeff Munkin's taken it tougher probably than any fan or anyone associated with the program, because that's not what he's built over the last several years. And then, of course, there's a lot of young players. There's a transition in offense. There's a lot of reasons to understand why it's been up and down. But I think it's that expectation and it really permeates throughout the whole program and, and even the other programs here at West Point. And you just... It's that commitment to doing it right and and just being around him. I've never seen someone more organized or someone who 
just remembers how things need to be done, how they were done. And, uh, and it's been, it's been just an amazing, it's an amazing 10 years working with him. We do the coaches show every Thursday and I mean, he makes it so easy for me. I mean, so easy. I mean, I could roll out of bed and do it because of how, you know, he'll answer questions. He'll, he'll handle our transitions and everything. And it's, uh, it's just been so much fun. And he has a very good dry sense of humor. And uh, a lot of people would be surprised to learn that because when they see him uh, on television on the sidelines, he's an intense dude, and he is. That's he not is a, that's not an act. But when you when you get him to smile or laugh, um, or he makes you smile or laugh, um, it was uh, it was one of those special moments. And you know, I'm, I, I want to tell this quick story because I told you before we started recording that you know I, I think about my time working with Jeff, and you talk about his level of, of his standard of excellence that you had to have, and if you were going to be involved. With Georgia Southern football at that time, you you had to you had to be ready. You had to be prepared. You had to do your work, and when it was time to to do whatever it is you do, you had to you had to deliver. If you didn't, you probably had a conversation at some point with with Coach Munkin, and um, you know it prepared me so well because there's a lot of similarities uh, with Coach Kelly. I mean, that's kind of what he expects here at LSU is we do things for a reason and we do them right. Um, to the best of our ability every day. And the only way to do that and try to do that every day is, is to be prepared. And I think um, uh, I'd like to thank Coach Munkin, which I did earlier this week, for, for the impact that he had on, on my career. And, you know, that, that 2013 game in Gainesville, a couple of years ago, I want to say 2021, um, I get a letter on my desk here at LSU from West Point, And it says West Point Army Football. Black Knight football. Well, of course, I knew Jeff was there, but I thought, I, I don't know what this is. I open it up. There's a nice handwritten letter um, that says, uh, hey, we're coming up on, you know, um, uh, this this anniversary of winning uh, in Gainesville uh, against Florida for the first FBS win ever in Georgia Southern history, which then propelled them to, to go on and really do well in FBS. And I wanted to thank everybody who was involved because of what it did for Georgia Southern, what it did for me as a coach, moving on to Army. And he had a nice commemorative coin that had the Georgia Southern logo on one side and the final score on the other, um, 26 to 20. And I thought at that moment, you know, with all the people that were involved in Georgia Southern football in 2013, the fact that he went to the, you know, top degree and detail to include the goofy radio guys um, says a lot about Jeff Munkin. I, I, I stood there in silence in my office because I thought, I cannot believe. Um, and then I contacted, you know, the guys I worked with, which, which are you know, one still at Georgia Southern, one's at the University of Virginia, one's at the University of Nebraska. And they all got the same letter and same coin. So that's that's Jeff Munkin. That's that's the detail that uh, that he, um, he does every single day. Um, you mentioned a transition. Let's talk football. Otherwise, people get mad at me if, if I just sit and talk broadcasting the whole time, Rich. Um, so I, I throw that in. But, you know, this is a matchup, as you said, two and four for Army. Um, big headlines in the offseason that they were going away from the traditional triple option uh, that Paul Johnson uh, and, and obviously Jeff Munkin were known for. Um, a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, I think the, the new rules in the NCAA probably help precipitate that. Um, all I needed to see this year's stats 
Um, I think last year in 12 games, you attempted 104 passes, and already through six games, they've attempted 97. Um, that tells me all I need to know because this is a guy who only threw one pass or tried one pass against Florida when they beat uh, the Gators down in the swamp. What What is this transition? I, I know Brent Davis, the longtime offensive coordinator, has moved on. Um, Drew Thatcher, I think, is uh, the, the new offensive coordinator who – you know, looking at the background, looks like a little bit of the air raid uh, influence yeah. with his time with Hal Mummy. But w- what is the offense for Army in 2023? You know, it's it's running the option out of the shotgun. You know, that's how it's described, gun option. And you hit it on the head. And obviously, you mentioned how well-prepared Jeff Munkin is. You're obviously well-prepared. The uh, You know, really, the, the rule changes are what precipitated this. I mean, Army went really almost all last year, last two years, having a very, very hard time getting the ball to the outside. I mean, having their moments, but it just wasn't what it was, you know, with the chop block penalties or whatever you're going to get called for. So the shotgun allows Army to get the ball on the outside without having to risk some of the new rules and penalties that might come when you're doing it under center. Now, one thing, and you know, air raid and being out of the shotgun and, you know, Army's running the quarterback probably a lot more than other schools that are running this. But then I look at Jay Daniels statistics about he runs the ball, but, <laughs> but in terms of running the option out of the shotgun, I think it's, I think it's a little, you know, you're really running it. The throwing is, is more, you know, deliberate and wanted to set that up, you know, one, player army's lost to injury who's really week to week is wide receiver isaiah alston he's a big target so he's able to really change things for army running the football when he's a target out there in the secondary because he could probably catch the football with anyone out there so uh, it's really just out of the shotgun you'll see two backs sometimes three backs some pistol but it'll be pitches and it'll be just really trying to get it out there the use of the fullback which had become so synonymous with Army and Navy football, Georgia Southern football, right? Really, the the triple option that Army ran was such a fullback heavy option, fullback and quarterback heavy option. Uh, really, you know, the, the fullbacks now, Tyson Riley, who's a fullback, he's being used as a tight end, Jacoby Buchanan, used in some short yards, but still out of the shotgun. So, you know, what was really the expected offense for Army over the last several years? It's been a complete turnaround in terms of how some of these, you know, players are being utilized, but still the speed, Tyrell Robinson coming back from an injury was big. He's still a playmaker for this offense. And, you know, being able to get those, you know, large running backs or smaller tight ends in space, there's still a place for them. But uh, but it's a work in progress. You know, I think the opening game against Louisiana Monroe, I always go back to when we talk about Louisiana Monroe, I say, you know, if, if there was a preseason game for college football, right, Army would have gotten those kinks out. That was just, you know, going up against live action, a different colored jersey for the first time. That was just a tough game. But then you saw, of course, the FCS win, which was expected. But then the win at UTSA, playing well at Syracuse. And then, you know, the BC game, I know that's one a lot of people here would like to have back because there were a lot of opportunities to win that game. And then uh, just a tough one last week. It's a good Troy team. I mean, Chris, you know the Sunbelt Conference. You know the quality of those teams. I mean, Troy went 12-2 and two last year, a very good defense. And 
you know, when the quarterback gets hurt early in the game and you have a freshman come in, uh, it's going to make it a little challenging. So that's, I think, what we saw last week against Troy. Absolutely. When I talk about the Sun Belt, I surprise a few people um, who don't follow the, the group of five as much as I do that uh, I can make a case, strong case, that the Sun Belt is the best G5 conference out there top to bottom. And uh, Troy right now battling uh, second place uh, for their division. Uh, so, yes, a very good team. You mentioned being 2-4 and four and, and a couple of games just out of the grasp. I mean, you had the opportunity to pick up a W. But one thing that has been pretty consistent, and I heard Coach Munkin talk about it on his press conference earlier this week, is has been the defense. And Nate Woody, who I knew when he was at Wofford, I knew him when he was at Appalachian State. I mean, he's a great defensive mind. And, and no surprise, when you're going through this offensive transition, you may hang your hat on you know, getting consistent defensive play. Having said that, I know Jeff then followed up by saying, you know, uh, paraphrasing here, you, you have seen the numbers for LSU, right? I mean, you, <laughs> you've seen what Jaden Daniels and this team is doing, which um, it really has been incredible. And I think, to be honest, surprised a lot of us here that follow LSU football. I mean, we knew they had skill players coming back, Rich, but I, I don't think we thought the numbers would be there and the consistency at which they have played. Um, for the most part this year. So kind of what's the word um, up in your neck of the woods on or, how do you go about slowing down? Um, I don't know if stopping is a possibility, but slowing down this LSU offense and Jaden Daniels this week if you're, if you're Army's defense. You know, I, I think I'd go back to, you know, how things were for several years. And you saw it in the UTSA game as well. You know, we got to keep Jaden Daniels off the field, right? So if we can have – a long drive. We saw that against UTSA. Army had a couple of clock-killing drives against, again, we're talking group of five, UTSA, a good team coming into this year. I mean, they were picked at the top of the American Athletic Conference. I think, number one, it's going to be figuring out a way offensively to be able to run a clock and keep LSU off the field. Another thing is, you know, Army's had its most success defensively is when they're able to blitz and really pick when they blitz to be able to make up for, you know, the the just the overall size, you know, disparity of what's going to be. So I, I would expect, you know, some blitzing, but I think the best defense against LSU is going to be to figure out a way to control the clock, like Army did on the road at Oklahoma back in 2018, somewhat against Michigan in 19. And you know, as Jeff Munkin said, and you know, those were two games that you know are thought of by army fans they weren't wins but thought of as those were just tremendous performances really the the talent level isn't any different on army than it was back then right you're going to get really the same the same type of players it's just the system and putting it together and you know hopefully i, I just thought something really interesting I, I was saying this to someone utsa when army beat utsa utsa was like on the fringe of the top 25 right so they were like 27 28 you know, LSU's 19. So, I mean, the, the rankings aren't all that far away. But when you look at the statistics <laughs> and you watch the games, I mean, it's like two different planets, right? You know, so Rich, <laughs> are, wait a minute, Rich. I got, are you saying that the, the rankings and the polls may be completely <laughs> off? Is that what you're saying? I think that's what he's saying. I will here, say so. this. I will say this. And I think Nick Saban <laughs> said it about the college football playoff a couple of years ago when he didn't get it in. You know, would Alabama, what would the point spread be if Alabama played any of those four teams? I want to know what the point spread would be if LSU played 
any of the teams one to 18. And then that's where I think LSU should probably be right. <laughs> well, I, I was uh, playing there a little bit because I think the polls are, are off most every week of every year. But uh, again, yes. as, as coaches will tell you, just go out and win and it all takes care yeah. of itself. Uh, in the end. A uh, couple of moments remaining. Uh, Rich, again, pleasure to have you on the show. Rich DeMarco, check him out uh, when Army is playing. Uh, and I say it every week, except this weekend. Tune into LSU Radio. But but uh, yes. the rest of the season, drop in on Rich and his team. Uh, you can follow him uh, on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, at Rich DeMarco. Um, you know, this is an exciting game. I heard Jeff talk about it. This is... Um, you know, again, I don't think anything's going to phase the future leaders of our country by coming into intimidating Tiger Stadium. And I think he was saying that by saying our guys are excited to go down there and be a part of this. This is the no Army team ever, and they've been playing football. I mean, these two teams together have been playing uh, for a long, long time, and, and no Army team has ever played at Tiger Stadium. So they're, they're again, looking forward to that challenge. Um, I know LSU fans are. I mean, goodness, our, our governor is uh, a West Point grad. Uh, John Bell Edwards is expected, if not, I think, basically every one of his classmates that can be there is going to be here. Um, and, and I think Tiger fans in general, as I said to start the show, they, they circled this game, non-conference as it is, that this is something special. And there should be a lot of pageantry and, and excitement. For, for Black Knight fans – um, not necessarily the team, because I know they're going to be excited. Black Knight fans, you get a sense for those who maybe are making the trip down here, they're excited about the matchup on Saturday? Oh, no question. And and I think when you look at Army football and you look at the history of Army football, right, intertwined with all these great programs. So I think this is an opportunity for, you know, this program that, you know, through various reasons of how college sports has evolved, maybe don't get the players out of high school that are of the same ranking as LSU or some of these major opponents. But it is a program with a proud history and, and recent success and, you know, success in playing competitive games against major conference teams. So I think that's very, very exciting for everyone. I, I will say this, and I've been at Army since 2004, so I think it was my second week on the job. I got hired May May 8th was my first day at, uh, at Army. At the end of that month, actually, I flew down to LSU to call a baseball regional at the old box. And the LSU fans could not have been nicer, more respectful for the Army players. So I've been telling people all week, I said, hey, my one experience down at LSU for baseball, I mean, it was it was everything, you know, to do with respect. That doesn't mean Army doesn't want to go in there and pull an upset. And maybe a lot of those fans are, might not be too happy after the game. But I, I just think it's it, it's a great, you know, Army and Navy and Air Force, I like to believe, you know, have our place in the in, on a shelf or wherever it is in the story of college football. And despite NIL and college football playoff, all these things. And I think an opportunity to connect, you know, Army, Navy and Air Force, which have a special place in college football with the major programs that you're talking about winning national championships every year that are right there in the mix. I personally think that's special. I think the army fans think it's special. And I think it's what makes college football. Awesome. Is that army for the first time since 1931 is going to play LSU. And you know, it's two programs that are vastly different, but to me, both very, very important in the past present and future of college football. Well said. That's why I think everybody's excited, including myself. 
for the matchup on Saturday between LSU and Army. Again, kickoff at 6.30. Rich, uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, again, as I said, I, I've listened to you many times, a big fan of your work. Um, and, and because Jeff Munkin is there, I am uh, a solid Army fan, except for this coming Saturday night. But uh, I think those that uh, are coming down and making the trip, they'll enjoy their time here. They certainly won't go away hungry or thirsty when they arrive here uh, on campus. And look forward to shaking your hand, meeting you in person on Saturday. Have a great call with your broadcast team. And, and thanks for joining us on Hearing Voices. Absolutely. Can't wait to meet you. We got to get a picture. I'll post it on Twitter X whatever they're calling it right now, but it's going to be an honor to meet you and it's going to be great to be at Tiger Stadium. Looking forward to it. Sounds great. Tell Coach Monk and I said hello. All right, fans, that's going to wrap things up for us this week on Hearing Voices. Thanks to Rich DeMarco for joining us. Um, again, we go into the off week and Harrison's going to do some work. We go into the off week, but Harrison always seems to find an intriguing guest. Will it be radio? Will it be TV? Will it be podcasting? I don't know, but I'm going to leave that up to Harrison. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Uh, but we'll be back next week with another edition of Hearing Voices. Thank you for stopping by our show. And until next week, this is Chris Blair still Hearing Voices.